From the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University, welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our broadcast and cinematic arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining me today on Depth of Field is Rich Spicer, a 96 CMU grad. And today, Rich is, well, he's basically doing every job. So he is a digital media production paraprofessional at Wexford Misaki Career Technical Center. He is an operations specialist at 9 and 10 News and Newsnet. And he's also operations manager of Up North Radio. Rich, did I leave anything out? husband and father of four, but that's about it. (laughs) That's my first question. Do you ever get time to go home and see your wife and kids? Well, you know what? I really think if you decide to take up a career in this area, you probably have to find either an understanding spouse or maybe consider being single all your life. That could be good advice. That could be good (laughs) advice. So I think it's clear you're a jack of all trades and you have a wealth of experience in many different areas of broadcast media, digital media, but it all started for you with radio, didn't it? Am I remembering quite correctly? Did you start radio at a fairly young age? I was 17 when I started. I was a month out of Alpena High School uh, in July of 1988, and um, I, I had had I was lucky because I worked at a radio station where people would call in sick frequently. And so I made a pretty good wage on a, uh, as a part-timer for several years um, from 1988 through 1994. And then 94 is when I came to CMU and um, pursued a, a BCA degree. And what was it that motivated you to actually come to CMU to get that degree? Uh, I knew that CMU was a great school when it came to uh, the practical things about learning radio and television. Um, I'd I'd heard all along that it was. It was in the summer of 1993, actually, that I came down and visited Dr. Henderson, and he took me on a tour through the uh, radio stations, and I loved that. Um, Loved having his class, his advanced uh, audio production class, and And um, I was able to pass out of basic audio production by doing an assignment for uh, an instructor at that point by the name of Vicki Ratliff, who allowed me to um, kind of test out of basic audio production. That seems like a good decision all around, uh, since you already had years of experience in the industry. What was it about CMU that really sort of connected with you? Was it having the radio station there that you could get involved with? Was it the idea that you wanted to have the degree when you came out? I think more the latter. I wanted to have the degree. Uh, I, I, I already knew that I could, you know, sit behind a microphone and communicate at that point. But having the, the degree from CMU has been um, so advantageous for me in the years after um, it has helped me immensely in my position as a parapro for high school students who are interested in this line of work, whether it be television or radio or even, you know, visual storytelling. I, I am very, very grateful that I had my time at Central. 
My biggest regret is that I didn't work as much, though, with uh, the radio station there because I was already working. Um, I, I spent a significant part of my time at CMU doing the overnight shift at, at what was then Hot Rock and Country 94.5. So I would often uh, work until 6 a.m., go home, get about four hours, five hours of sleep, and then uh, get on over to, I think it was uh, Dr. Smith's broadcast history class. It's difficult to be really super involved when you're doing an overnight shift and working basically full time while you're doing your degree. Were there any co-curriculars that you got involved with at all on the TV side or any of the other organizations? I did news for 91.5 for parts of two semesters. Um, I also was the producer of a show called Roommates, which was on MHTV for a, a couple of semesters, which that was a super fun experience. Uh, and I was a member of AE Row and went to Los Angeles for a trip with some of my classmates. And does that group even exist anymore? You know, uh, there is still National Broadcast Society. Um, mm -hmm. But again, it sort of, it ebbs and flows over time. Some years it's very strong. Some years there's not as much interest. Since COVID, we've had a hard time really getting a lot of students together for some of the co-curricular groups that don't involve hands-on work. Uh, so that's one of the things that we're hoping is going to be coming back stronger in the next few years as we kind of move out of pandemic territory, hopefully, knock on wood. Yeah. There were a few things. I, I think I missed out on a few things during my, my college years. I, I transferred in as a junior in 1994, so I never had the, the classic dorm living. I, I never had that, uh, that experience. I always lived in an apartment. And there was, there was some times that I, I kind of thought I was missing out on some things. But, you know, um, I took two years off between graduating high school and community college. And then I took another two years off before I started at CMU. So I was four years older than your typical junior at that time. And I, I think from a maturity standpoint, four years is a lot at that age. It is. And I bet that that was reflected in your coursework as well. I bet that you felt that you already had that maturity to be able to tackle some of the work perhaps with a little more, I don't know, maybe seriousness, I guess, than maybe an 18-year-old, 17-year-old freshman coming in straight from high school as well. They say that the, the brain isn't fully developed until you're 25, and sometimes I think it would be better uh, if uh, you were in college between the ages of 22 and 25 than, than 18 and 21. I came back for my master's when I was 27, and it was like night and day uh, because... Whereas I was, you know, I was a pretty average, maybe slightly above average student as an undergrad. Uh, but when I came back for my master's, I just felt like, oh, oh, I've got this now. You know, this I've been through so much at this point that this is nothing. I can get through these classes. Yeah. Yeah. So you were at CEN while you were yes. here uh, and you stayed there for a while, didn't you? Uh, working on air. I did. I graduated from uh, CMU in the summer of 1996, and I stayed with CEN doing the midday show until 2000, until the, the company got sold and the owners uh, went in a different direction and, and all of us scattered to the wind, but um, kept in touch with all of them, you included, 
And, uh, and, and I look back on that period of time as one of the most fun times of my professional life. Yeah, I did a couple runs at WCEN. When I was an undergrad, I was news director there for a couple of years. And then I came back just doing part-time fill-in stuff when I was here for my master's. So that's when mm-hmm. we got to work together a little bit, which was right. definitely fun. So yeah. you know a little bit about the radio industry, both pre and post, I guess, corporatization, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, yeah. Do you see major differences in the way radio is run today? Huge. Um, I'm really, really glad that I learned in my my previous part-time jobs how to do everything. Um, I learned how to uh, run a board. I learned how to be at least somewhat entertaining on the air. I learned how to be a music director. I learned how to do news. Um, the only thing I really hadn't, I haven't done professionally is climb and paint a tower. Maybe that's on, maybe that'll happen at some, (laughs) I'm even doing traffic at my current job right now. Um, and I'm selling and that's small town radio, you know, I'm in Cadillac. I'm not saying that, that everyone has to wear every hat, but man, the more hats, you know how to wear, the more valuable you'll be to an employer. What were some of the biggest things you learned while you were in Mount Pleasant, both at CMU and working at WCEN? Well, uh, CMU was was superb because I got a chance to work with a lot of younger students, uh, fellow students. Um, Executive producing a TV show was super fun, you know, going out and trying to find sponsors and trying to find um, contestants for the show and and things like that. And uh, my my first full time radio job was at WCEN, and it occurred right around the time, actually, before I graduated. Uh, I ended up getting the the midday shift. Um, funny story about that. Um, Jim Somerville, who was the program director at the time, slid me into that shift and said, "You're going to do this for for a period of time. Um, we'll call it interim until we find someone." Um, I worked at that uh, job interim for for five years. <laughs> Longest never, interim. Never officially got the title, but yeah. Maybe someday, maybe someday they will <laughs> say that you're you're in there for good. Yeah. So where did you head after CEN? So after I left Mount Pleasant, I had two choices. I actually um, interviewed for a job in Battle Creek at a country station there. Uh, and they happened to have an opening at the radio station that I started at, WATZ in Alpena back in 1988. This was 12 years later. Very rare Family-owned company, not very many openings. The the timing was fortunate. I thought I would put my career first and take the Battle Creek job. And my wife said, you know what? All of our families in Alpena, we want to have a family. Let's go home. And as much as I disagreed with her at the time, she was right. And uh, so we went back to Alpena, and I was in Alpena from 2000 to 2006. And... um, Cadillac came calling 15 years ago. So what was it like going home to work in radio? I, w- I won't lie. I kind of felt like I, I went back home with my tail between my legs. And I probably didn't give that job as much professional respect as I should have. And I think that's only something that you can learn with years and years of perspective. I enjoyed living in Alpena. It's, it, it's my, my, my home. It's my hometown. Um, but I also, I, I liked working for a station that 
was open to new ideas and 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 uh, was promotionally active and and that station wasn't terribly promotionally active it, it kind of leaned on its heritage a lot and i wanted to do different things and i kind of was met with a, a little bit of resistance but um and then that's part of the reason why in 2004 i went across town and started a competing country station and worked there for two years and i ended up um, you know, proving to myself that I could be a program director and 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 create the music rotations and 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 make the station sound exactly the way uh, that I wanted it and that I thought the 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 market would would react to positively. So overall, I mean, it was it was a good six year return to Alpina. We had two of our kids at that point, and I, I've worked steadily ever since. I mean, from 1988, I've I've had only two six uh actually two one month holes in my uh my employment so I've, of all the things that i've done i would say that's probably what i'm pretty i'm most proud of i haven't bounced around a lot because of course that's what radio is it's it's you live a vagabond lifestyle when you're in radio typically if you're looking to move up yeah it's very unusual to be able to stay in one place or maybe not just one place, but to stay in a general region of the same state for several years and be able to have sort of that foundation for a really stable family life. I think that's difficult to do. It was, it was the, my first six years in Alpena. And then my, my CMU years were surrounded by the years that I worked at CEM. And that was another six. And then I spent seven years in Alpena and now I've been here 15 in Cadillac. So, um, and this is not typically a town where people go to retire when it comes to radio, but I was at the point in my life where my kids were a certain age and I was a certain age and I just really did not want to move around anymore. And uh, this has been a wonderful place for us to live. What brought you back to Cadillac originally? or brought you to Cadillac. I guess you hadn't been there before. So um, I was budget cut it out of a job uh, in 2006 at the, the station that I had put on the air a couple years earlier, which, you know, that's very, very common. Uh, they, they say you haven't, you haven't lived in radio until you've been fired at least once. So, um, so I got let go and it just so happened that a former coworker of mine uh, was employed with McDonald Garber Broadcasting and he said, we have an opening for a program director and a morning show host in Cadillac, and I think you're ideal for it. So I came over, had, a, had an interview, ended up uh, talking with Trish McDonald-Garber on the phone, and we came to an agreement on a, on a salary. And, and uh, my first morning show here in Cadillac was January 2nd, 2007. Oh, wow. How is it doing mornings? Are you a morning person? This is the thing. So we, we have this other job where I'm, I'm, I spend six hours a day in a classroom and I really don't want to be, have four hours under my belt already and then go to the classroom. I want to be able to give my best to the, to the kids who are trying to learn in the classroom. So um, for the last eight years, the morning show has been tracked the night before. Um, not the way I would like to do it, but the way my life dictates it. And fortunately, I'm working for owners who uh, who understand that I have other things going on in my life besides radio. What is that experience and how is that different from other radio gigs that you've had by voice tracking a shift rather than perhaps being there live? 
you know, there's nothing better than live radio. There's nothing better than cracking the mic and being there live and interacting with people live in real time. There's, there's nothing better than that. It's a rush. It always will be. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll crack the mic and go live every once in a while at the radio station, but there are, there are ways, I mean, there are ways you can make a voice track show sound, uh, very, very close to real time and live. And, um, I've, uh, I haven't perfected it yet. I probably never will, but I'm getting closer. So you mentioned you're also an educator. You're working at the Wexford Masaki Career Technical Center. So you're working with high school kids and teaching them all of the skills that you've picked up over the years. What's that like? It seems like a real difference from working in radio. Well, you know, this is a generation of storytellers. Um, they, they can do it on their phones. They have access to, to free or, or low-priced um, video editing software that, that they can use. And some kids come into our classroom, uh, 11th grade, and they, they already know how to tell a story. Some of them have experience with YouTube. Um, you know, some of, them have, some of them have experience with podcasting. I think this generation is more exposed to media and more media friendly than any generation we've had before. How difficult has it been to keep up with that technology that a lot of the students that you're teaching, it's always been around since they were born, right? So again, like the idea of digital natives, do you find it more difficult to keep up with everything that you need to know? I really don't because those kids can teach us. Um, you know, we have access and they share with us the, the, um, uh, the places that they're going, the, the, the platforms that they're using to communicate. Um, and, and they don't have anything to hide, which is really nice. Um, so in a way, um, the kids themselves are helping me stay on top of it. I'm, uh, I, I consider myself a 1.5 a uh, social platform person. I'm a Facebook guy and maybe half of an Instagram guy. And beyond that, I really don't have much time for social media. It's just, you know, um, there, there's, there's a lot of time that you could spend on that if you had the time, but you know, I have four jobs. So. <laughs> yes. There's no time to worry about that. Yeah. So how do you like being an educator? How do you like teaching? It is awesome. I started this job here at the Career Tech Center in Cadillac eight years ago, sorry, 10 years ago, just after Thanksgiving in 2012. And I still feel like I'm in the honeymoon phase. Um, the, the kids are, are receptive. Uh, they are very open to the opportunities that, that we present to them. I'm, I'm very blessed. Uh, you know, I work also at nine and 10, very part-time as, as an operations specialist, but the, uh, the fellow who runs the operations department there, Pete Ludvigson, when he, when he has an opening, I'm the first guy he comes to, which I, I couldn't be more blessed with that. And then to, you know, to watch your, your students bloom and develop and, and, you know, become professionals in the field and, and uh, become liked uh, that's the absolute best part of education. Also, at the time that we're taping this, this is scholarship time. So uh, there's nothing more fun than writing a recommendation for a worthy student to try to get some money for college. And, and I've, I've, I've been reasonably successful 
uh, helping some of our kids get scholarship money. And uh, that's always a, a super fun part of the job, too. Do you keep in touch with your students who've graduated over the years to see what they're doing and how many actually go into the business? The magic of Facebook is awesome. Now, this generation of students really isn't doing Facebook as much. So I'm, uh, I, I don't know exactly how I'm going to stay in touch with this group of kids and the groups that come after. But I, I am Facebook friends uh, with a lot of my former students and I follow them and I I see what they're up to. And, um, you know, we have 10, maybe 12 of them who are working in television or radio that came through our classroom before. Um, and that um, it, it's just fun. It's fun to stay in touch. And what I tell our kids and, and what my my uh, fellow instructor, Cami Cook, says is that, you know, when you're a DMP student, you, this is this is lifetime. You want help eight years from now on a resume. You want help 10 years from now on a cover letter to uh, to help you advance. Let us know. We're here for you. And I know that we've had some of the students from your program come to CMU and do their BCA degrees as well. So it's nice to be able to kind of hand the baton off and then see where the world takes those students that you feel that you've kind of put your heart and soul into helping to develop their talents. Yes, um, several. We've got another one coming in this fall who is a um, Michigan Association Broadcasters Foundation scholarship winner. And uh, we're really pleased about that. She's going to do all four years in BCA at CMU. And um, I don't care where they go to college, but if they want to go to CMU, I'm going to push them in that direction. We appreciate that. Yes. And we always love having your students because we know that they're they're ready to go as soon as they get into the department and can jump right into the radio and TV stations and start working. That's the beauty of our program. And we've had people from the industry come in and talk to our program and they look at this room full of 16, 17 and 18 year olds and say, you guys don't know how lucky you are to have a program like this. I would have killed to have a program like this in high school. And of course they all, hey, you know, and then, you know, four or five years later, they come back and say, you know what, you were right. I should have done more in that class. So, you know, but it goes back to that maturity thing again. Exactly. So you mentioned that you do part-time work with 9 and 10 News. How did you sort of get into the realm of TV and TV production? So um, back in my CMU days, I got to say, there are quite a few people who are working at 9 and 10 now who were, not, who were CMU students back in my day. Um, ben Scripps is a fantastic director at nine and 10 and has been there for 20, more than 25 years now. And we struck up a conversation. It's a true story. My first night in Cadillac, didn't think I knew anyone in town, uh, happened to be in Meyer. It was before, it was just before midnight. He had just gotten out of work because he directs the 11 and I ran into Ben Scripps. We started a conversation about a year later. We had uh, lunch at at, uh, at Herman's in Cadillac, and uh, I I said, you know what? I would really like to come and work behind the scenes at nine and ten. This would have been two thousand eight. Of course, two thousand eight was a very very bad time for the economy, and nobody was hiring, and it was really rough. But in twenty ten, they had an opening, uh, and I I took it, and I was it was basically running anything from from CG for newscasts to running audio to the camera operations. 
And that turned out to be a fantastic job too, because again, as we said, we're feeding some of our students out to nine and 10. Um, true story on the weekend, I will run the audio for the six o'clock news on Saturday and Sunday. And my director is a former student. He's telling me what to do. I'm his audio op. He is 20 years old. He uh, uh, graduated in 2020 uh, from Pine River High School and came out of our program and is now directing out there on the weekends. And he's actually telling me what to do. The administrators can't get enough of that story here at CTC. <laughs> I feel like that is a bit of a metaphor about the industry, though, as well, is that you really always have to be thinking about the relationships you're building because the person that works for you might be your boss down the line. I, I agree with that 100%. It pays to be nice. It pays to um, be treated the way uh, you, you would want to be treated. And um, yeah, just be nice. It matters. Well, and I think, and I'm not just saying this because we're talking, but I think everyone, if I mention the name Rich Spicer, will say, that is the nicest guy I've ever met. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So that is certainly something that has followed you as a reputation. It's a good reputation right. to have. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I appreciate that reputation and I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have it. And I'm glad to try and, and uh, extend that kindness to students. As you look back on your varied career over the years, what are some of the proudest moments that you have or some of the accomplishments that you really think are ones that stand out in your memory? So back when I was working at CEN uh, in Mount Pleasant, uh, I recall getting a phone call from the then director of entertainment, Bob Buell. And he said, Rich, I'm going to be out of town. Willie Nelson is coming to town and I need somebody to introduce him. Will you? And I swallowed hard and said, yes, I will. In the two or three days that followed, I don't recall having any saliva at all. I, I, I was thinking about going on stage and what am I going to do? And oh my gosh, how am I going to warm up this crowd for this legend? And um, it ended up working out fine, um, even though I, I couldn't taste the water that I so desperately needed at the time. But, um, and that wasn't the only one. Um, there were times when uh, I got to go out on stage at Soaring Eagle and introduce Colin Ray and Pam Tillis and um, Waylon Jennings. Uh, and it was, um, those were proud moments. Proudest moments are the times when our radio stations are doing community-based things. Um, just last summer, we had a major water main break uh, here in Cadillac and, and, and the entire town had brown water, undrinkable water. And um, I knew our radio stations had a, a relationship with Ice Mountain in Reed City and we placed a phone call and, and I don't remember how many cases were delivered, but there were so many that there was extra left over that they were able to donate. And, you, and I, that's what a radio station needs to be. Uh, to a community. It needs to be a friend of the community. It needs to be, uh, that's how you, that's how radio stays viable in this day and age with streaming services and, and Sirius XM and Pandora and all these other things that are, um, that are just kind of eating at our audience. This, this is how you stay uh, relevant. When you talk to your students about the future and their potential careers in media, what are, in your opinion, the most important skills that they need to have right now? The ability to do everything. Um, the, the ability to say, 
I'll do that. Never saying that's not my job. You can never say that. You know, my, my, my best advice for those who are getting into, uh, whether it's radio or television, is just learn it all. You will be much, much more valuable to your employer if you learn more. Um, the only thing at 9 and 10 I haven't done is direct. I'm 51. I don't need that kind of stress in my life. But I've done just about everything else. So where do you go from here? What's next? Or do you just stay where you are working your many jobs and staying with family? I am very content right now. And I don't know if, if I, maybe it's dangerous to be content with where you're at, but I, I am loving this generation of kids so much that I, I don't see myself. I, I've told them here at the CTC, I'll be 65 or 70 and you'll be dragging me kicking and screaming out of here. So um, I just really enjoy the kids. Um, I enjoy imparting whatever wisdom I have to them. Uh, I, I still enjoy radio. I, I enjoy all of my jobs. And what's really nice is that it's, it's like a jigsaw puzzle and everything just comes together beautifully where, you know, I can feed some of our students out into, into the opportunities that they're looking for. And um, I can see myself here for a while. Who knows? But I, I, I'm very satisfied with where I'm at right now. Rich Spicer, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It is my pleasure to be on this podcast. Um, anything I can ever do for my alma mater, I'm all for it. Patty, thank you very much. That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.